Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Truth, Justice, and the Podcast. As always, your host, Eduardo, here. And I'm very, very happy to be uh, reintroducing you guys to a previous guest that I've had on this podcast before. A uh, great filmmaker, somebody I had a lot of fun talking to last time. Seems like you guys also had a lot of fun listening to that podcast. And that is Michael T. Michael T., welcome back to the podcast, man. Hello, how's it going? Awesome. It's 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 really nice uh, to actually have you back on, because we did have a really great discussion last time. And but we didn't get to go like too deep into anything. We got to like touch on a lot of things. But we yeah, didn't we really... were like geeking out. Yeah. We were geeking out the whole time. Yeah, like, exactly. The first time we spoke. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think that was that was part of probably why that podcast. I it was a great podcast, but probably why we didn't get to like sort of hone in on anything. Like that was really the, our first interaction in yeah in life, probably except like passing each other at LFDCS. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm having you back, and the reason we're having Michael back on this podcast is because he's just released a new cut of his film "Boys Will Be Boys," uh, which is right now on YouTube on his YouTube channel, and this is called "Boys Will Be Boys: Varsity Cut." And I watched the film. Seems like a lot of people have watched the film. Seems like a lot of people have enjoyed the film very much. And I'm very happy to actually be able to ask you things about it and the production and this whole new cut and how you got into it. So I guess my first question really is, what was like your motivation um, in long sort of for you to recut this movie and give us sort of a new look at it, the sort of like alternate cut of Boys Will Be Boys? So what happened was... Um... As you know, the year the year's been kind of kind of bleh and um I had a bunch of projects that I was gonna shoot with um my my partner in crime and colleague, uh, Marcus uh Marcus Jimenez, which he is working on a comic book right now, going back and forth, but um we were supposed to shoot a bunch of a bunch of shorts and it felt like we were going on this crazy streak before the Rona happened. And, like, the streak was going, and I just realized it after I did this cut. But um, the whole idea was, what am I going to do if I can't film, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, I can film, but, you know, I wanted to film these stories I wrote, and I couldn't do that. So I was left with this choice where I remember I was online, and uh, I found out about fan cuts where, like, people would cut movies into, like, a whole completely different perspective or experience. And I remember seeing, I saw a version of Scott Pilgrim, and they added in the deleted scenes, and they added, a, like, even a little prequel that was featured in the DVD. And um, I remember seeing different versions of Star Wars, just a, a bunch of different cuts, and it was just weird because it felt like a whole new movie. And I've seen these movies multiple times, but seeing it in a different eye or a different way of cutting, it mm. intrigued me for so long. And then, of course, hearing about the Snyder Cut, uh, everybody knows about that. Yeah. And just hearing about like this whole idea of cutting films 
And even, like, I, I even thought about it. I was talking to Marcus, and I was talking to a couple of my friends, and I was like, if I can't film any of these new projects, I'm going to go back and see my other films and see if possibly I could recut it. And it was a long debate because I didn't want, I didn't want it to feel like, I didn't want to create a habit of going back to making director's cuts for my films or any of that. Cause I feel like once the work is done, it's done. Mm-hmm. So, um, the whole idea of making the varsity cut was to create a different perspective of the film and see if it could improve the story as much as it's already been told. So, I went back, and also when we did Boys Will Be Boys, it was cut with Final Cut and Premiere. This time it was cut fully with just Premiere, which is different, and it was way more, um, it was way more smoother the way I was cutting it. Yeah. So that was fun, and um, yeah, that we I made the Varsity Cut. Had um, uh, my friend Luna, he's a producer, he produced Boys Will Be Boys, the score, the original score, and then I came back, hit him up, and he scored like three, two or three more pieces for me, and I put him into the film. Nice, nice, yeah. Um, it was really interesting uh, watching this movie with this whole new um, sort of feeling to it, and I, I like that whole cutting in Premiere is smoother. I, 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 I use uh, Premiere and stuff whenever I'm cutting projects. I'm working on a short film right now, and I'm in pre-production for a short film um, that I'm going to film before the end of... That That has to be done before the end of next... Uh, before the beginning of next year, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing, seeing uh, what a director can do and what a filmmaker can do like when they reevaluate their own work and go back. I think... Um, Steven Soderbergh did the same thing during this quarantine. I think he recut, he did like a re-edit of, I believe it was his movie Kafka, and there was something else. He he recut like two of his movies while he was in quarantine, <laughs> and I thought I thought that was really funny um, that both of you guys sort of ended up doing something like that. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, what were some like? The thing, like when you were going through this edit and when you were approaching this edit, what were some of the things that you were wanting to move around? Um, oh, and I suggest anybody who's listening to this podcast are probably going to get in deep into some of the things that are like plot points of this movie and get really heavy into that. So I suggest that you go watch the movie. It's like 10 minutes long. It's on YouTube. Just look up Boys Will Be Boys Varsity Cut. It literally comes up immediately. Um, go look that up, go watch it, and then come back and listen to this podcast. I think it'll be very beneficial um, to you. But anyway, when you were recutting that movie, what were um, some of the things that you were looking at, whether it was plot points, whether it was certain editing choices, whether it was shots, like what, what, what sort of things were you looking and changing around, and what were you sort of trying to convey, some of the feelings that you were trying to get out with it? I wanted... I wanted it to feel like everything was in chronological order compared to how the original cut was. Hmm. And I was looking for like almost a chronological, just, just something that fits that has, that kind of goes into order. Um, give me one sec. Cause I'm at the pharmacy. I'm in the drive through. Yeah. No problem. Man. It, it's about to be my turn. <laughs> so, um, 
I'm just, there was like three cars in front of me. So I'm just waiting for this person to like leave. All right, give me one second. Yeah, no problem, my man. All right, guys, we're back. So yeah, so when you were re-looking at doing this cut again and um, sort of trying to reimagine it, like what what were you really going for emotionally in term, and what what was it like retackling this? You said you wanted to see it more chronologically this time around. Yeah, I wanted I wanted it to feel like everything was happening like if there was a beginning and then you know a middle and an end. I mean, obviously the film already had that. But I kind of wanted it to feel like the timeline was just going from how going from the party all the way to um, the circumstances that happened at the end. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to add little things. Like I remember I had um, so we did we did like an EP for the soundtrack, and I had uh, the host of um, L Views. He does another podcast, and his name's Majimbe. He had this really great voice. Mm-hmm. So we had we had this intro from the soundtrack, and it was and basically telling you that the party happens because they won a football game. And I kind of wanted to have that little sound effect in the beginning from the from the soundtrack. So I thought that would be dope. Yeah. And then and then little things like I remember um, one of the jocks. A uh, friend of mine, uh, Jamo, he's the one wearing the dreads during the deleted scene. Okay. Um, he, um, pretty much, we had this voicemail of him basically warning uh, James in the film that uh, that the, the cops were coming. And I wanted to add that, and we couldn't include it in the first, in the first cut because it just wouldn't fit for whatever reason. But I found a way during this cut to fit it. And I just wanted to trinkle in a couple of things so it feels different and almost fulfilling, you know. The first one's fulfilling, of course, but this second one almost feels like I was able to add all the things I wanted to add in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It feel it feels very... Uh, I don't know if I would say more complete, but it does feel like a lot more... Like, there's a lot more there, weirdly enough, with just these small little additions um to it i love i love and i and i especially love one of the things i have to uh commend you on um when i was watching this movie is that whole introductory scene um cutting between that long take of him walking through the party and then that conversation between his girl and that and that other jock that was really i i was i was like wow this is actually like really incredible editing that i'm watching and this is like a really interesting like well done scene i thought uh oh yeah I, I thought there was a lot of vision there i thought it was awesome thank you i um i do remember uh that was a key factor i remember i think i used i used a trick where like i didn't want to reveal her face till probably like the third cut yeah of that whole conversation and it's something so small like that that i really loved about it Especially with me editing it, that's something that I enjoyed watching. And the fact that I even put that together in my head was awesome as fuck. But, like, just the small little details that I wasn't able to add in the original. And I was still learning, you know. Every, everything with film, it's, le- it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to 
doing things. I even um I even recolored it too. The film it's recolored. Nice. I don't know if you noticed, but um yeah, I threw in um I threw in a couple couple different things to make it like more make the colors pop almost. And I was going for almost like a modern eight like the eighties aesthetic, but if it wasn't these modern times almost. Mm-hmm. Like that's if you, how I was going for it. Yeah. Like if you could bring one of are now like 4k like really good cameras back then sort of oh yeah 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 i really i really appreciate i really appreciate i feel when i watch this i can tell that there was a lot of work and effort like put into making this um you know what it actually reminded me of you'll probably like this comparison is that the first third of the film really reminded me of euphoria like a lot like a lot actually and when I was watching it, I was just thinking that in the back of my head. I was like, this almost feels like uh, like a B story in Euphoria, like, somewhere. And I thought... Thank I, you. I th- yeah, you're welcome, man. I, I thought it was really awesome. I can really feel like that um, that sensibility, like, that understanding of, like, the that, that experience. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you watch Euphoria, you go, oh, I get... Sam Levinson really gets what it means to be a teenager and be in these situations and like have these feelings. And I feel like when I watch this movie, I really feel like this is coming from like a genuine place. And yeah, I can see, um, you know, like the influence of like music videos and stuff like that on this film, which I think is really fascinating as well, because you and I both grew up in a generation that is completely inundated and oversaturated with, um, music videos in our youth nowadays not so much nowadays things have changed considerably um but like in the late 20 in the in the you know the the 2000s and the in the early 2010s i feel like music videos were all over the place and um i feel like even now i feel like even now i feel like the whole music video thing it's coming back slowly but i feel i feel like things like mtv they don't they don't like they don't broadcast it enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and now I mean I don't know if you've seen um the the Travis Scott the new video Travis Scott did. I haven't. He he um because he collaborated with Christopher Nolan. Mm. And, oh um, yeah yeah yeah. And basically, what he did was they did they did um. He shot the video and they allowed that to play on IMAX before Tenet. Yeah, I heard about that. I I, I wish I had gone and rewatched Tenet this weekend because I because I was very interested in seeing that. Yeah, it's it's crazy because music videos. I feel like if if like platforms like MTV or VH1 put their focus back into that, mm-hmm. it would be shown more. But seeing how now. For me, I'll sit at home and I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch a shit ton of music videos over and over again just because um, just because I just love them and I feel like they don't get enough love as much as they do on television anymore. It's more like an online thing and you have to go look it up yourself if you want to see it. And, Honestly. And it's... and I, lo- I, I mean, I just did a music video too for, um, for my cousin Isha. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but I just did, I think that was her first music video. That was the one that that came out very recently, right? Yeah, it was for her song, Let Me Know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two years ago. 
and she wanted she wanted to do a video for it now, and I was like, I have to do this video, and it, it was it was almost like I reached out, and I mean she posted something, but I reached out because I felt like I wanted to do that video, and I feel like most music videos nowadays, um, it's really tough to find you know originality in them. Mm-hmm, for sure. There's there's only a few there's only a few videographers and a few like editors that they have this significant style and everybody kind of hops on it because those are like the pioneers of it now. Yeah. And and it's hard for me as well to find my own style in that world of music videos because you don't want your video to feel like the same thing that another person's doing. And that's just how I feel about that. And it's it's a weird it's I wouldn't say it's weird, but I would love for the music video that whole that whole realm to come back on television and have more of a role on there instead of it just being like something tossed to the side. Where I mean, I know MTV they would play it like in the mornings, but mm-hmm. I don't think they do that anymore. And I feel like it'd be dope if we were able to get that. And even and even so, like I would want I would want to see that more everywhere really yeah yeah it's weird it's like video killed the radio star and it's all the internet has killed the video star and now oh yeah 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 and and definitely i feel like with the rise with like a platform like youtube like once that came i feel like that really marked the end of like the television music video phase because there's such a larger reach that they could get now Especially with like it getting in everybody's hands and stuff like that, because it's like you can't guarantee someone's going to tune into a, ter- a certain time slot on MTV to go watch some, you know, Eminem's new music video where he just stands in a warehouse somewhere. But on the internet, it's like that's accessible a hundred percent of the time whenever you want it. And I think like that definitely sort of marked the end for <laughs> all of that. Um, sadly, though. Because there is there is sort of a uh, like a like there's a sort of uh, uh, um, what I don't even know what word you would even say that it feels a lot more like it's like it's something special like the fact that it's like I tuned in and at this certain time this is happening right it's all it's weird because it's like there's an ephemerality to the fact that you're watching just something you're just watching people perform you can listen to that song whenever you want. But it's like this video is showing up here at these times and these days, and then eventually that'll be phased out somewhere along the line, um, or you have to like go seek it out to actually go see that again. Um, so it sort of made like music videos a special event back when it was just MTV and VH1 showing them. Yeah, for the most part. Um, so. I kind of want to ask you about the production of this film too, not just the cutting and the editing, because um, I found I found it really fascinating just how you were able to like get something like this together. I've never made a film with like that many people involved in it, mostly because like just a lack of like knowing that many people even to begin with. Um, what was that like, sort of like for the party scene, for instance? If you could like break down for me what it was like pro- producing that, making that, shooting that, like what was all of that like in the moment and putting that together and you know getting to actually shoot something like that. 
So to begin, uh, we had it written on the script. This was also my first time, de- like producing a legit short film. Mm-hmm. I used, back before that I was just doing stuff on my own, but uh, working with Marcus, it it was a first time for both of us because he's never worked with me and I never worked with him, mm-hmm. and he kind of he kind of like pulled me into this world and like this is how I slowly started to fall in love with film and. When we did the party scene, it was first the script. We were like, all right, party scene. We would write down everything we need for this scene. And after that, we were we shot it at his house. And um, and basically, that day, we had... We basically shot most of the film at his house. Mm. And, like, I know um, I know the scene where, the, where um, James and his brother have the argument. That's That's still his house. And then the party and um it feels it feels like i'm revealing so much because like now people are gonna think oh man that was just one whole location but it's like (laughs) and then um and then what happened so i'm trying to think we shot it at his house and it was the party scene i think that was the second day of shooting hmm we weren't sure how many people were going to show up. We, I put it on my Instagram and I put it on my Twitter. I even sent it to a couple friends and we weren't sure how many people were going to show up. Luckily, a lot of people showed up. So we had all these people in and it was the first experience for them too. And, um, it almost felt, it almost felt surreal and it almost felt like I was lost into a different world. It felt, it felt different. Like, my mind just switched and I was just a director and having these moments where you have all these people together and you have to shoot those scenes, like a party scene, like that whole one shot, Mm -hmm. it was crazy because we started in the bathroom and it was me, Marcus and uh, Marcus's friend, Andrew, who was our um, director of photography. He had, and the cinematographer, he was the cinematographer, but had the had the rig on him and we started in the bathroom he was washing his face and then we just literally went into the hallway it was quiet and then i yelled action and you could hear everything just you could see everything like it felt like I, like it was just different and it's almost like hard for me to describe how it felt because i was just so lost into it and um yeah it was it was weird at first, but I enjoyed every single moment of it. And I think that was like one of the very first moments I realized that I was falling in love with the idea of filmmaking and directing. Hmm. So it was, it was beautiful almost for me to describe that. And, um, yeah, the process, it, it was very iffy. It was almost like, it was almost very risk taking. Because if we didn't have those people show up, it was like, all right, now we have to make a plan B. And it was almost like everything was off the fly. Like, we just had to get it done. And it was, it almost made me accept that whole idea that if you have to do a plan B, it's fine, you know? Yeah. It's okay to accept a plan B when it comes to filmmaking. And, I mean, I would put it with life as well, but, you know? Yeah. Um, it's okay to have a plan B with everything. Yeah. But luckily, you know, thank uh think think everything that went right that day, so 
yeah, it, it was a very risk-taking experience. And the process, it's very, um, it's very hit or miss, you know? Yeah. If, if you're doing something like on your own or with a group of people, because you don't, you don't necessarily get, sometimes you don't necessarily get yeses, sometimes you don't get noes. So it's like you're always in this middle ground of just, you don't know your answers yet. Yeah, yeah. But you will. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now I have a question. When 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 you write, um, do you write in like your camera moves in the script? Because I know some writers do that. I don't particularly do that. I'll do it like maybe every once in a while when I'm writing a script. Like right now, I'm working on I'm working on like three feature screenplays right now, and one of them I'm like forty, like little over forty pages into it right now. And I think maybe once or twice I've written in a camera move. But I find that when I'm writing a short film, I'm probably a lot more likely with that smaller page count to write in camera moves and stuff like that. How, how do you tackle that? Is that something that you tackle afterward? Like after you've written the script, you tackle camera moves? Or, or is that something that you, that you write into it and that you hope it works uh, once you get down to production? I had I had a lot of crazy shot ideas for Boys Will Be Boys, mm-hmm. but we couldn't do it due to location. Yeah, and and we still made it work. And I remember I I wanted for the fight I wanted this crazy like bird's eye view shot, but you know we're in the house, so you could only have like this amount of ceiling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I had a lot of crazy shot ideas. Sometimes I try to add shot ideas. And, you know, sometimes I don't. I ha- I've never thought about writing without having these camera movements. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like a nice idea to do. But I think I just write. I just, most of the time I just dive in, really. Yeah. 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 I know when I try to write, I try to be like, okay, let me, like, write this. Like, if it's, like, the first draft, then I go, okay, let me try and, like, get the story out first before I'm thinking about what anything is going to look like. So it's almost like I'm writing a novel. And then when I'm, like, going through second pass-throughs or I'm looking at, re-looking at scenes, um, then I go, okay, what, what, what more can I, like, put in to make this feel like it's kind of, like, so that way people can visualize on the page when they're reading it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, so that's pretty cool. So I, I imagine that party scene was... How long How long did that take you guys to shoot? Ooh, that was... I think most of the afternoon, like... I think I was at his house from, like, 12 to, like, 11 at night. Wow, so you got was... that done virtually in just one shooting day that entire first sequence of the film i think we had to shoot that at night so it was because because people had to show up so it was around that whole day i was at that long but i think the party scene itself was probably like three to four probably five hours of shooting hmm. so it was it was long yeah, and then for the whole for the entirety of the film, how many how many days of shooting was that probably in total? Damn, um, I think if you put it all together, it was probably almost five days. 
five days of shooting. Nice. And it was all scattered. Because mm. we had, I think we shot most of it on a weekend. And then we had to shoot the ending, I forget what days. And I did. I, I don't think I did resh- like reshoots after, while I was editing. But um, I think I would put most of it, it probably took a week. Just a week of shooting. And it's all scattered. Like, I wouldn't say a straight week. It's almost like all scattered on the calendar. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Wow. That's pretty fascinating. It's interesting, like, how fast the turnaround can be for something like that. Um, but, obviously, it's all scattered on the calendar. Now, were you, like, cutting the scenes between the shooting days? Like, were you just like, okay... I've shot this, let me go cut this before our next shooting day so I can already have that sort of set up or anything like that? Or did you wait till you had all the footage to sort of put it together? At first, I was just playing around with all the footage we had. Mm-hmm. And plus, I had to wait for to get the footage because it was on Andrew's camera. So yeah. I had to wait for the footage to, to come to me. And, um, yeah, I had, to, I had to wait. And sometimes I would just play around with it before going full on so what would happen with me is yeah i didn't edit the whole film till i had all the footage done nice well like all the footage filmed and all that yeah nice so then did um when you were doing that oh shoot i totally lost my train of thought (laughs) (laughs) i had i had a whole nother question prepared i was listening to and it like completely left my brain it happens. Oh, it doesn't. Ma- it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's what happens when you don't sleep. When you get like three hours of sleep. Um, Damn. <laughs> yeah, it was a late night. Um, so, so that's just very interesting. It's it's nice to sort of hear like what the process for this was. Now, you mentioned how. So, like, I've I'm in a similar situation to you. Like, I had stuff that I was working on, um, and then the quarantine happened, and then it was all like, well. Now, like, I had to can two projects uh, that I was really looking forward to. And I was just like, ah, oh, I cannot believe this has happened to me. Uh, what were, if you can, if you're allowed to, what other sort of projects were you working on prior to uh, everything getting shut down? Well, during, during the, after I finished the Varsity Cup, mm-hmm. there was this, there was this random spark of like, holy shit, I I was really, I was doing a lot. And I realized how fast things were going because Marcus and I started working on Boys Will Be Boys last year during July. We shot it in August then we released it in October. And then not even after that, in November, I was already writing the second short, which was Erica. Mm, and, oh, then, yeah. and then we started shooting Erica probably at the beginning of December and we finished shooting in January and the film came out this year, like in February. And I, I it blew my mind cause I didn't think it came out this year. I was like, nice. what the hell this, this came out this year. And then a lot of people kept telling me that. And I was like, it felt so oh, long okay. ago, but it was really like at the beginning of this year. And I think that I always think back that, if the Rona never happened, um, huh. I I probably would have had probably a good three or three or two shorts out right now. Dang. And um, it bums me out, but at the same time, it's like now I have time to work on these and make sure that 
make sure that it's extremely polished and it's good. So I have, I probably have two or three shorts um, written right now that are done. I was, the, I was really excited for the third short me and Marcus were going to do because it was going to be almost like this ensemble kind of deal. Mm. And it was going to be like a group. It was almost going to feel like, it was going to be, instead of focusing on, instead of focusing on just one character, it was going to be focusing on a couple. Mm. And I was really excited for that. And I do have probably like two or three shorts written. And I am working on features, but I only, there's only, there's only so much time to work on those. And it's, it's a very tedious experience. And you have to be very, you know, patient. And sometimes in my head, the, the ideals will spark, but like I don't touch the paper, so yeah. I just wait for it to like develop in my head. And or sometimes I even write it down, and I'll make sure that I create it at one point in my life. I'm in no rush to finish the features, but it would be awesome to finish one. And I don't know what to do with them because I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still learning, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what to what to do or like how i'm able to make this an entire career and um just trying to see um what works and what doesn't and see what gets me into i guess what people are calling the industry yeah yeah that's (laughs) i i i I totally feel that man because like obviously we're sort of on the same path if you will like yeah making stuff and making short films and we both want to be writer directors and stuff like that and like actually be able to like you know have our movies be shown to like just more than people on the internet and stuff like that be in theaters and like be able to do that just for life and not really have to do anything else um it's a weird thing it's a weird thing especially when you come from an environment like ours where there's not really many examples to look to if you will for people who have like made it quote unquote especially in that industry i mean you could probably point to like music people specifically for like our city and stuff like that um if you're a poet i mean i guess you have robert frost but (laughs) but it was like (laughs) but like that was so that was so long ago um but for us now in this new generation and in this new you know, we're in like a whole new era for filmmaking, really. Um, oh, yeah. It's never been like this before, and there's never been, weirdly enough, there's never been such a synergy between the big studios and, like, the the culture, like the on-the-ground culture, and at the same time, there's never been such a big divide between those two as well. And it's a, it's such an interesting thing to, like, to realize that we're we're almost more now more than ever we're in a we're in a position of like you have to do it all on your own and you almost have to create your own industry in a way yeah through collectives whether it be uh what's the studio that you did the movie with uh 1121 1121 whether it's uh what's the other one that we have elevated thought that's the one that's also here in lawrence yeah, I work. I I work with Elevated Thought. I'm I'm their video editor, mm. and um, I also I, they they help produce the videos that they want, and I help edit them. And yeah, I love them. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it's almost like you were. <laughs> it's all like the everything's like the big studios got so big, and then even the indie studios are big now. Um, in a way, like A twenty four, Fox Searchlight, Sony Pictures Classics, like even that seems like at points like unattainable and out of reach. All the film festivals, um, like Sundance or uh, South by Southwest, all of those got really big, and they feel like they're also out of reach. It's 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 a really weird time because, like in the, say in the nineties and the early two thousands, it felt like all of that stuff was like. Oh yeah, you just make you make a good one, and then event, and then you know, they they get you and they see you, and then it's just like oh okay, or you just be like man, look at the script. I just give me a million dollars, I'll make it. It'll be great. And all those stories like feel like they no longer exist. Um, yeah. In our sort of current in our current landscape anymore, and I don't know if that's to some people that's probably very uh, disenchanting and like discouraging. But then I feel like for some people, like that that's almost like a motivation. Like, oh, it's it's harder? Well, I'm going to go harder now, if you will. Oh, yeah. And I, I wonder for what... For sure. I'm... I, I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what your take is on all of that and, and what your take is on working to get to... You know the 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 place of I can just be a filmmaker and I don't have to worry about anything else. I just have to worry about making films as my living and as artistic prosperity. Well, I think I feel like obviously everyone tells you that the the journey of making it a career and being able to make a living off it is extremely hard. Yeah, but. A part of me feels like if you have that work ethic and if you and if you make it almost like it's almost like you know when you play sports and the coach tells you that literally your life is just family and sports and your friends are like the very last thing at the bottom Mm -hmm. then so be it you know it's almost like that and it's it's almost like I put film over a lot of things in my life. Yeah. And it's because it's something that I find that brings me joy and, and it's something that makes me happy. And I would hope that a lot of other people go after those things that just make you happy. And I feel like if I was able to do this career, I would enjoy the benefits of everything. Because, again, a job, getting a job and there's always you could always have your dream job but you know it's still a job and there's gonna be those days where you're gonna be like oh i hate my job yeah it's like at the end of the day i would enjoy just being able to go into like a work field and saying oh snap i gotta go cut uh spike lee's new movie fuck we're having trouble with this thing it's gonna be a long day i'd rather have that than you know, then sit in an office somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather I'd rather be struggling cutting up one of my favorite director's films than doing something like that. And being able, I think one of the biggest goals is being able to see my, my name in the credits of a movie, like while I'm at the movie theaters. Like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I haven't. A lot of people don't realize that, like 
I feel like these people that work on these films and seeing their names and credits is probably one of the most like amazing feelings ever. And I would love to feel that. And I will. I'm I'm saying I will because I want to speak it into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Power of positive thought, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what that is. That's very true. I mean, even like, I mean, I'm sure you had, you know, remember, I don't, um, you know, like when you make your first, you know, when you first get into it, like for me, it was when I was a child, I was making movies. Um, but then it wasn't until like I was in a, uh, like in high school that I started taking it seriously. And like that feeling of like, like even on your own, when you're doing it, it feels special when you get to, you know, when you open the text box and you get to write in directed by uh you know michael t directed by eduardo lucas lebron like it's such it and then when you get to watch it play and you get to watch it like fade up on the screen you're like oh my gosh wow i made something and weirdly enough that's that's a that's a feeling i think not a lot of people get to feel um nowadays like i we we're in a society that's like almost completely dependent on creativity but at the same time, um, it almost feels completely devoid of it as well, um, which is like a weird thing to say. But like there's a there's a sense that creativity at times isn't special anymore. And I feel like that's because of like maybe the corporate hijacking of what is perceived as creative, which is really just like what's visually interesting, what's audio, uh, what's sonically interesting, you know, what what looks cool but i feel like people especially artists can tell the difference between what's amazing because it came from a place of like an artist's vision and what's just cool because a bunch of people sat in a boardroom and said well they've never seen this something like that before so we'll just throw that in there right and i feel like you as a filmmaker um like when i was watching the boys will be boys varsity cut I feel like all of that stuff, all of that, like, like I can tell, like, wow, this is the vision of a person who really cares about what they're doing and somebody who is, they're making something because it comes from a place inside of them that they can't, for lack of a better term, control and keep inside of them. It's something that they have to get out. And I find that very special experience um, when you see films by filmmakers like that. I think you're one of them. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I always feel like I always feel like film is not only uh I feel like film it's it's for me it's almost a way of release. Mhm. And it's also a way of telling these stories that have to be told almost and it's also a way of, you know, archiving um, archiving, it, there's so much to it, just for me, and I, I want, I want to be able to just keep it up, you know? Yeah, I, I always turn to that Martin Scorsese quote, and he's like, films are not just films to me, they're life. Exactly. Yeah. That's a perfect way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me and for you, I hope. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's <laughs> nothing I'd rather do. And it's like you said before, like you'd rather be cutting a film and be like stressed over that than you would over, you know, I have to get my project report in by 5.15 today before I clock out. It's like, come on, man. It's like, 
um, and I I feel like even when I look back on movies that I hate, right, that I've made that I hate, because you know there's always that work that you make and you're like, man, that that sucked. I can't even believe it. I would take I would take the experience of cutting a movie and realizing it sucked over literally any sort of good feeling doing something that wasn't making movies. Any sort, yeah. any any feeling that any any feeling uh, I don't know making having a job getting a paycheck week to week, but sort of like it being not something fulfilling to you. I would take the oh man, I made this movie. It's not the best, but I'm but I get to work to make a new one. I would take that over anything. Exactly. It's a it's a really special um, experience, and you know anybody who's thinking about filmmaking. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it can get discouraging because, you know, people expect, like, some people, they see a movie and they go, oh, I could do that. And then they do it. And then they're like, oh, I can't do that. That was insanely hard. And I wasn't prepared to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, when I was in high school, I made, like, a, I made a film for my forensic science class. And I remember being like, oh, I, I got this. I, it would be, like, seven. Nope. <laughs> not not- <laughs> Not even remotely close. <laughs> and it was bad. But I cherish that experience of getting to make that movie with a bunch of, you know, people from school. And, like, I basically got, weirdly enough, I basically got free reign to just go around our school building. at dirt When I should have been in class, I got to basically, I was basically just allowed to just run around our school building and grab people out of class and shoot stuff. Um... Which was insanely helpful. I'm glad that they fostered that they were able to like foster something like that for me. Um, but I was also like the only person in the school who's really into that, so I guess it was sort of easier for them to just let one kid do it and not like fifty kids. Yeah. Um But you know what? Like even though that movie sucked, when I look back on that and I look back on the experience of making it and like all the fun times I had with, you know, the people with with uh, my friends in school, it was just like wow, like that's 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 something that I'm gonna cherish forever, and I feel like for a lot of filmmakers, like even you, um, I'm sure that there's movies you've made that you like, there's movies you've made that you don't like, but whether you like them or didn't like them, the experience of making them is still something special and something that you cherish. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and I, I feel like on this film, probably very much so, because it seems like it was a very deep emotional journey not only just for the character in the movie but the people making it and for you especially um oh yeah for sure i can i can feel that all in there so speaking of film and stuff like that i believe we're both subscribers to the criterion channel Um, oh yeah yeah i i recently uh bought myself like a one-year subscription to it same and it's and it's the best streaming service that's ever been in existence. Um, I I hate myself sometimes because I don't use it enough. Honestly, it's so, it's so sad. Like <laughs> I um I remember I got it and I was watching um I forget what movie it was but um I was watching a movie on it and I. I, I got it and I watched the movie on it and then I didn't use it for like a good a good month and then I remember um I was I'm in I'm in a Discord like in a Discord chat with like mm-hmm. I'm in like two Discords it's the Letterbox Discord and then um this other one 
and they do this film raffle every month where like they make you they put you with uh another user and the user has to recommend you this film and they recommended me Lahine and it was the mm. first time I saw Lahine and the only one I was able to watch it was on the Criterion channel and I watched it on there and um and yeah I, after we, after I watched it it was me and like two of my other friends and we saw it and they told me oh man this is fire bro and I was like I don't use it enough <laughs> yeah honestly and, and um I just started using it enough cause now I have all these films on my list and plus I'm always in that film raffle and that was one of the films I was supposed to watch if you saw it on my story um it was Chunking Express ah so good so good yeah that, I watched that movie when I got my when I was first trying it out, and I did a two week free trial, and I was really into Barry Jenkins, and I was working on a script um, that is put on hold now because I have two other scripts that I have to do, and one of them is for school, so I'm like I really have to focus on that one. Um, and I saw Chunking Express because I was listening to like Barry Jenkins talk about it, and I was really into Moonlight, and I just rewatched it back then, and I was like, dang, I love this. And stuff like that. And uh, he always talks about how Wong Kar Wai influenced him. That movie slaps. Like, every day, oh, yeah. all day, <laughs> 365 a year. It's so good. That movie it's is... It's such a great movie. Oh. I, I loved it. I loved it. And it's a grower on me. And even the even the damn soundtrack, they kept playing California Dreaming. Yo! <laughs> it's so... That is a mood and a half. All the montages to California Dreaming, and then the ending. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, the ending was perfect. I think uh, Wong Kar Wai is working on a sequel to that movie. Oh, Chunking Express. Yeah, I think he. If I remember this correctly, I saw this like last week, I believe. He received funding because he's working on reviving the whole Hong Kong film scene right now. He's, oh wow! He's working on a sequel that takes place in like I don't know twenty thirty five. I think. That's a sequel to Chunking Express with all the characters. Oh, damn. Yeah. Wow. I'm like 99% sure that's happening. <laughs> I'm excited, too. That's going to be that's gonna be really cool. I can't wait to see that release. Yeah, I still have to watch. I've seen, I've seen In the Mood for Love. Oh, I still haven't seen it. I, I need to, like, buckle down and just watch it. I'm upset at myself for not watching it. Yeah, I saw that one, and... He has a lot of other movies I haven't seen, but I've only seen those two from him. Yeah. I think they also have, like, Fallen Angels, I think, is the other one that they have of his on there. Um, there's probably a lot more. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's awesome. You know what? I really, um, recently, so that was your most recent watch on the Criterion channel, I imagine. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My most recent watch on there was I watched um, this movie, Caché. Um, by Michael Haneke, or Mikhail Haneke, whatever the heck his name is. I've heard it said both <laughs> ways, and I'm confused every single time. Um, <laughs> um, which is about like this couple, um, and and their and the husband and the couple. He's like a he has a TV show or whatever, and they get sent these videotapes of their house, and they don't know where they're coming from. Yeah, and it is like. It's really creepy and really like disturbing and like one of those like the breakdown like what 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 could cause like literally the person a person to like break down to like literally like whoever they really are on the inside. Um 
But that that movie's really interesting. A, a movie I'm going to recommend for you to watch. It may be low-key, pretty hard to watch, not going to lie. It's kind of crazy. It's called Mysterious Skin, and it's directed by Greg Araki. And it's it's got young Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, and it's like... It, it's, a, it's a movie about two kids in a small town, but something very traumatic has happened to them. And it's got to be like one of the most weirdly stylish but also like very just like in your like almost cringe inducing at times movies just because of the subject matter but yeah if i feel like if you like film one of the things that you can like appreciate uh with that movie is um the writing the script is just phenomenal yeah i'll have to look into that yeah what what's your favorite thing about that streaming service because i know i have my favorite thing like but a lot of people, every time I hear them talk about it, there's always something different that they love about it. I think I love how some the thing with the thing with the Criterion Channel is that it's something that I wish Netflix or like Hulu did was that they offer they offer you commentaries, they offer yes. you bonus features, yes. and it's like why don't we get that for Netflix stuff? Like I feel like it'd be so dope. I mean, of course, I see Netflix, they feature, I mean, bonus features, they feature some of the stuff there, but it would be dope if we got director commentaries on Netflix or, and things like that, but I don't know why. That's probably my favorite thing about the Criterion Channel, that you have all these things, and it feels like you could just watch hours of just that one movie. Literally. I was, I was literally going to say exactly the same thing. The bonus features on Criterion Channel elevate it above literally every single other streaming service. Netflix is whack because they only, they'll have like, and they don't even put them with the movie. It'll be like hidden somewhere. Yeah. Like you'll come across it in, in a recommended like a month after you've seen that movie. And you're like, where was this when the movie was released? Where was exactly. like? Why don't you just make a bonus feature section for your Netflix originals that have bonus features? Exactly. Like, why is this? Why is this a hassle? <laughs> it's 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 such a weird thing. Like with the Irishman, I don't even think I discovered that there was like a uh, a special feature like talk with Scorsese and Pacino and uh, De Niro and um, Joe Pesci and Scorsese. Like, until, like, I don't know, probably, like, a month after I watched the film. I was like, yeah, well, I was I, like I where was this? Like that, but I never got to watch it. Yeah, and, and it's only, like, and it's and it's always, like, just one thing. And it's like, bro, you don't, you're not seeing the potential in all these, especially their, like, award movies, right? The movies that they make for, like, when they want to compete in the Oscars and stuff like that. It's like, bro, there's oh, yeah. so much potential here for you to, for you to show us, showcase us so much. Actually, to mention that, I have um I have a copy of Marriage Story, the Criterion Channel one. Yeah. I have a copy of the DVD at my house. I haven't watched it yet, but see if Netflix was able to add all those features to those things, because I'm pretty sure they're, mo- they're movies of Criterion Channel, um, Criterion Collection. Exactly. Like, I've got, um, I've got, uh, what do I have? I have Roma. I'm going to get, I have Roma, and I've, I feel like I have one other uh, Netflix one. But I, but I have no clue. I, I can't even imagine what it is right now for some reason. Um, even though I'm looking at my Criterion collection like across the room, but I can't even read any of the spines because they're turned away from me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But yeah, like the Roma one, 
um, that marriage story one I need to get. I, I don't know why I skipped out on that. I didn't buy that during the Barnes and Noble sale. And I don't know why. Yeah. I'm stupid. I should have done that because I, I just actually... bought mine at almost. It was on the shelf. I was like, ooh, I'm tempted and I just bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done that before. That's how I came, that's how I got my Roma criterion. I literally I was in there and I was looking at the criterion shelf and I was like, ooh, what am I gonna get? Ooh, Steven Soderbergh's traffic, ooh this, ooh that. And then I just saw the Roma one in there and I went on Amazon real quick to check the price and I went, Man, I'm getting this. This is cheap. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving with this right now. There's no way I'm yeah. leaving the store without this. It's such it's such a special thing. And then recently I got um I got Mishima Life in Four Chapters, which is a, a great movie on the Criterion channel as well. Um It's 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 just awesome sort of like biographical piece about Japan's most controversial and celebrated author. Um but yeah, man. That that streaming service is just absolutely incredible. What if you could recommend like one or two movies on there for everybody on here to watch, what 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 would you recommend? I saw on the Criterion channel? Yeah. I actually saw um so I think before Chunking Express, I saw I saw um this was my first David Lynch movie, um Elephant Man. Was it no it wasn't Elephant Man, it was um Eraserhead. Ah. Eraserhead, yup. Another movie I haven't seen. Perfect movie for October. And um, right now I'm watching all of his work for October. Nice, nice. I'm in a a Discord and they're doing a marathon. Mm. And the marathon for the month is David Lynch. I have to watch. I think I'm I'm watching Elephant Man today. David Lynch. That's the second film. I need need to get that Criterion. They just released a release for that. Yeah, wait, for what? For Elephant Man. There's a Criterion release for Elephant Man now. I, w- I, don't, I don't know if it's on the Criterion though, like the channel. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, um, like they did a Criterion, like a like a physical release, is what I'm saying. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I want I want to see it. I'm gonna see it today. It looks it I looks cool. Because I know tomorrow tomorrow I have to watch Dune. Oh, Dune! You heard yeah, that they pushed I... that they pushed uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune back to October of next year. Yeah. That's so disappointing. Man, it's a, it's a sad year. It's it's the worst, and I think what else they pushed something back to like 2022, and I don't remember what. Oh, it, it was Batman. Oh yeah, Batman got pushed 2022. I was like, man, come on, what is this? 2020, yeah. it, 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 as bad as it is, you gotta you gotta push back all the movies I was excited for too. Yeah, it's a rough year. Yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Oh my goodness. So yeah, so Eraserhead. And then. Of course, the second one I would probably pick behind. They're both black and white movies, but um, they're amazing. I, I I think both of those movies are so good. I gotta see Lahine. Every time I see screenshots of Vincent Cassell in that movie, I'm like, man, why have I not seen this yet? Oh man, there you go. <laughs> Eraserhead and Lahine. That's what you gotta watch. That's what I watch. <laughs> Yo, I'll watch those. I'll. I'll uh... I'll put a. I'll either put an Instagram story up when I'm watching them, or I'll, I'll text you about it, and I'll be like, "Okay, oh, these, yeah. are, these are my thoughts." For sure. Oh man. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Honestly, for being here, it really means a lot to me that uh, you're willing to sit down and talk to me about all this stuff. Thank you. I I enjoy these conversations. Yeah, man. It's it's fun. It's fun to talk with somebody who like gets it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
there's not a lot of filmmakers we're like a rare bunch of people uh, oh yeah weirdly enough there's there's not there's not enough of us out there and you, unless you know you have to dig just to dig you know yeah yeah you gotta you gotta dig or we're all on the internet like miles yeah. away from each other <laughs> so it's it's nice to know that um that there's somebody out there that also is like that i can like yo my guy right here i can talk to he understands he gets he gets what it is he gets the struggle yeah. so no but it's really it's really amazing getting to talk to you about this film everybody boys will be boys varsity cut just look that up on youtube go watch it it's great i watched it again this morning Absolutely super impressed michael's a great filmmaker um i cannot wait to see what he does in the future uh he's just man you got vision and and that's very important in this industry and not even in Thank this you. industry just for being an artist so it's it's nice to see somebody making something uh that really expresses i feel like what cinema is which is you know like true expression of the self so i, I find that's awesome i find i find your work awesome too so thank you best of luck I, man I appreciate it. yeah no problem best of luck i hope you uh are able to do great things in the future uh I'm looking forward to anything else you make next. Um, like I said, you've got, in my mind, I'm like, yo, this dude's set. I'll pay attention to him for literally the rest of his career now. <laughs> I don't think oh, you can. Could... thank you. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. And, uh, yeah, thank you, listeners, for listening to this. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I will link uh, a link to Boys Will Be Boys in the description of this podcast. So if you can just copy and paste that into wherever. Um, you guys can watch it there if you don't want to search it up. And uh, I'll link Michael's Instagram as well in there, so if you want to follow him. And, yeah, any closing thoughts? Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, um, uh, yeah, thank you for everybody that's helped me make my films and supporting my films. And um, let's just keep going. And awesome. I'm off to McDonald's to buy some food. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast. That's the that's the breakfast of champions right there. Twelve forty three p.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to I'm about to go try out this new um. Travis Scott Burger. The, the, the um. Oh no, they they just made a new one. It's it's the J Balvin meal. Really? Yeah, I'm about to go try that out. Man, if it wasn't sober October, I'd be I'd be eating mad McDonald's. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, man, and thank you, listeners, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.